I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Go tell it on the mountain, everyone. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Leicester scored three, but Man City scored six, and Spurs are on the march. It's Monday, 27th of December. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushin Hunter-Raja. Hello, everybody. Good to see you again. It's been a little while since we last spoke. We've had Christmas. My goodness, and what a Christmas it was. Jim, did you pull any crackers? I did, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Want to elaborate on that? <laughs> no, no. It's um, I'm, I'm not lowering myself to your innuendo. Um, what about you, Vish? Any mincy pies? Oh, no, I didn't have any mince pies. I did eat a lot, though, and I, I feel like I can feel my heart through my chest, in, uh-huh. and not in a good way. It wasn't. I mean, it was filled with love, but also cholesterol as well. <laughs> what would be yeah. a good way? Like a cartoon character falling in love with someone? Yeah, sort of, sort of, yeah. yeah I was also going to say that, Jim, by not, um, by not playing ball with Marcus's innuendo, you've somehow made it more innuendo-y. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's the thing with innuendo, isn't it? You mention it and everything suddenly t- starts to sound rude. So I imagine that will come up throughout the show. So sorry about that. Um, if you're not a fan of smut, but it's inevitable now and it's my fault. I take full responsibility. Speaking of mince pies, I discovered um, that my dad only tried a mince pie for the first time in his life this Christmas day because he thought they were like mince meat. And even though he <laughs> loves meat, he th- he thought mince meat was like 
automatically bad meat, like the sort of like the sort of bad cuts of meat, even though it's just a way that you can, you know, slice meat. I so find, little insight into my Christmas. I find that extraordinary because he's a proud Same. Englishman and the mince pie is obviously a big tradition here. I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, that is way better. A friend of mine managed to avoid bananas until his 18th birthday when he was bought a banana for it and he didn't particularly <laughs> like it. And I thought that was quite impressive. But your dad, who I believe is older than 18, going He's all 72. this way. There we are, you see, much older than I, I was right. Um, and he didn't think to ask anyone. No, no, yeah. he's, he's, men of that generation don't, do they? That's true. He's, yeah, he's they very don't stoic. Ask. Very yep, stoic. Do. Can't ask questions. You'd be putting someone are, out. Questions. Just, if you're asking lost. questions, you're not getting on with it. <laughs> he's just lost in a weird part of town, not knowing what a mince pie is because he's too proud to ask for, for both. Yeah. Well, he's just getting on with it. I mean, if it, guys like him, you know, if it weren't for guys like him, we wouldn't have the economy, Fish. That's well, indeed. Works. You know, um, well, that's good. But Jim, what, did you um, have any eggnog for Christmas, Jim? I, know you I didn't have any eggnog. Actually, my, my mum and dad... They, uh-huh. they made um, a Did you traditional... think that was just runny eggs, did he, or something? Yeah, may, maybe. You know what? I don't know if I've ever had eggnog, so maybe I'm a, being a hypocrite here. Um, I, I don't think I've ever come across it. I'll have to sort that out. Um, <laughs> they did make a traditional Tudor um, dessert, which was Ooh. essentially it was pineapple rings with a uh, with a banana sticking out of it and a cherry on top, Ooh. which um, it looks like a penis. Yeah. Why is that Tudor? It's called, it's called a candle. Apparently, it was like a Tudor delicacy because getting pineapples and bananas was really, really difficult. So it would have been. Like, only Henry VIII would have would have access to this very phallic dessert. See, it's happened, doesn't it? You said this would happen, Vish, and now... I mean, this is not really innuendo, is it? It's fairly explicit. But... No, you said, you, you said penis, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah. Also, um, Henry VIII wasn't going there fruit, was he? Uh, he yeah, probably didn't, I... he didn't know what it was. No. <laughs> He was probably in a sort of absolute, like, kind of food coma at that point, just completely hallucinating. So maybe he might seem like a sausage. His servants servants were probably thinking, at least it's edible. Uh huh. And then they brought him a pig in blankets. Um, but I think he was quite a he was quite uh, a dashing man in his younger days. But he we, was. We're. Uh, I was going to say people forget that as if any of us were there. <laughs> Is that what I say about Marlon Brando? <laughs> I think so. It's a bit. It's a bit like people forget. People remember Elvis in the white in the white uh, all in one, whereas they don't remember it in the in the black leather. You see, no. and that's and Henry the Eighth and Elvis are quite similar in, in in that regard. But we we are way off piste here everybody because mm. we had a fantastic round of Premier League fixtures uh, of course on Boxing Day many were called off but but there was enough games that on that we can get our teeth into and, and Manchester City 6 Leicester City 3 was one of them when Manchester City were 4-0 up at half time you didn't think that Leicester would make a good go of it but Pep Guardiola said even at 4-0, we weren't in control. And I thought to myself, no, you very much were in control, Pep. But you let Leicester back into it um, quite spectacularly. But a ludicrous game, uh, Vitution, and uh, a, a one that the neutral probably enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think when you saw Leicester City's team sheet with O'Brien, Amati, Vestergaard and Luke Thomas as their back four, you thought, hold on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then you looked at... Man City and thought, oh right, okay. I didn't know they they just don't have COVID in that part of the northwest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was astonishing, really. I think what the was... um, I think it was when the first goal went in, which was what five minutes, De Bruyne's goal. Yeah, and someone tweeted, right, game over, and it really was <laughs> like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, but nearly not. I mean, it was it was the highest. I should say it's the highest scoring Boxing Day game in the top flight since Oldham were beaten six three by Manchester United in nineteen ninety one. 
which is quite a pleasing uh, reminder. But, you know, 4-3, they got back into it. And then even at 5-3, Albrighton missed a very, very good chance. So it wasn't completely dead and buried. But as as Vish says there, Jim, you know, you look at the Leicester backline and, and Rogers himself said it after the game, you know, we're missing players. Which I always yeah. feel, I always feel a bit sorry for those who have played to hear their manager go, well, these duffers are, you know, uh, not doing us a good service. But but with, with Leicester, you know, as you said, they're good going forward, dodgy at the back. And so it proved to be. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I completely echo your thoughts about feeling sorry for those players as well, because I saw before the game that Leicester was sort of talking about being like really sort of down to the bare bones. And the players coming in were like Yannick Vestergaard and Eozy Perry. It's like, oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. I, I, like, I wanted some new ones. Be like, oh, they've got like, a, got like a dinner lady playing or like just like mm. Brendy's going to turn out himself. It's never quite what you think, is it? Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was absolutely mad game and absolutely classic of the form of a Boxing Day yeah. game. Because it's, it's for some reason it all goes mad, doesn't it? And it's always always brilliant. Um, I think Leicester will be very very frustrated at those penalties. If you, yeah. if you I know that Brendan Rodgers thinks that I think was it the first penalty he was saying was was never a pen. Um, I don't think it's quite as clear as that. He also criticised Paul Tierney as well, which has become really fashionable lately. Um, so that's um, I don't know where that's going. If he's going to be sort of like hounded out of the league by the the, the League Managers Association or something. Yeah, but this but is the yeah, problem. I mean, when someone like Klopp does it, who's obviously yeah. at the top of the league, the other managers sort of think, well, I'll 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 have a go as well. And I, yeah, I know what you mean. It's we're going down a bit of a. And we've had this before for crying out loud. I mean, but anybody yeah. remembers Sir Alex Ferguson for crying out loud? Indeed, it's a bit unsavoury, isn't it? Yeah, it felt a bit like when um, Ralph, when people were writing about Ralph Rangnick and they're talking about pressing, and then everyone talked about pressing for a yeah. week. I yeah. reckon yeah. people yes. will be over Paul Tierney. By next week, when we talk, when we're talking about, I don't know, like zonal marking again. Yeah, yeah. But it does feel fashionable to shit on him. We should do actually. Yeah, um, I don't really know enough about him, um, so perhaps he should be he's less a loser. boring. Is he a loser? Yeah. That's right, Jim. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah, what's your, where's your US people? Do something. Um, <laughs> Nearly get in the way of shots, like Mike Dean. You know, do something yeah, that we like. Exactly. Get yourself <laughs> nutmegged. Um, <laughs> So that's that's nine straight wins for City, though, isn't it? And it was very, very impressive again, yes, yes. Um, despite the fact that Leicester rallied so well. Uh, it was it was it was annoying, you know. You do want to, you obviously you want to go and see Leicester go on and win that. But mm. that that period in the second half, absolutely fantastic. And James Madison played like a, a man well, possessed, Ab- absolute silk from him. So good to see because there was a lot of talk this this season about him, you know. Um, been nowhere near his best and obviously that's a little bit of a worry when you see a player who's had a bit of a sort of miniature transfer saga in the summer but my god he look, he I mean you feel like if he can keep this form up surely he's knocking on the door for England again oh you've mentioned England Jim and you've twisted my arm uh yes <laughs> well I think the problem for Madison is is the firstly is is Maybe the formation that England played might not suit him, although I suppose he could squeeze in there. But there's just so much competition in those places. With, of course. You know, the emergence, even someone like Emile Smith-Rowe, who we'll, we'll mention later. And so, you know, the, the emergence of so many of these kind of uh, attacking, creative players, is mm. it makes the competition so so fierce. But, I mean, speaking of, of, of which, when you look at some of the other sides around in the league, going back to Manchester City, and you look at, say, Chelsea, you now look at Lukaku back in the side and the difference he made. Mm. Crying out loud! I mean, that run where he won the penalty was <laughs> you know, scary. It was like uh, it was like the original Ronaldo stuff. It was just fantastic when you get something that kind of um, 
forceful and, and majestic in, in, in the game. But, but they, you know, they, they've obviously missed him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool respond when we, we presume the African Cup of Nations will, will go ahead and, and, and they'll miss a couple of crucial players. Compare that to Manchester City, who had Phil Foden and Jack Grealish on the bench. And the, the strength and depth that Man City have, Vichy, is quite frightening. And the way they're playing... Do you currently? I mean, they're, they're top of the league at Christmas, and we know we like they, they, they like a bit of that. Do you, do you have them currently as pole position for the? Well, I mean, they are in pole position, but do you, do you think that they can go on and win the title? Yeah, definitely. Especially given what's happening to the schedule at the moment, I think you know it's all well and good having having games in hand and automatically assuming they're three points. But I suppose what we've seen of you know these postponements and how uncertain teams are of the players they have available you know mm-hmm. point on the board seem all that more crucial right now especially going into I suppose the FA Cup break as it were and then into the new year where there are quite a few big games for that part of the table um yeah I, I think it's hard to, it's really hard to look beyond them I think I um you know I mean I've, I've gone back and forth you know, throughout the season already, you know, when Chelsea started, I thought, hold on, you know, they sorted out the defence and I naturally assumed the attack would work itself out. Mm. But basically, in the meantime, City were doing what they did last season where they started a bit slowly. Everyone was talking about the, the need for a striker, the loss of Aguero. Gabriel Jesus playing out wide. Is that going to be an issue? And yeah, they've just, they just clicked the button again at exact, more or less exactly the same time as they did last season. And yeah, especially because of the COVID situation at the moment, I can't really see them being taken over. Because if you think about when these games, when those extra games are going to be played, I know Liverpool only have one game in hand right now, but you know who knows that, what that will be in two weeks' time. And you think of the number of fronts that these teams are competing on with the Champions League and you know also other league, other cup competitions. I think they're going to be so they're going to be spread so thinly. And with City being able to leave out, as you mentioned, Grealish and Foden, I just can't, I don't really see someone overtaking them. I think, you know, Chelsea even have too much to do right now. Um, yeah. And they're only, they're only six points behind them on the same number of games. So, yeah, I think it, I think it is going to be City. I think that's it, isn't it? I think it's it's the it's not just the strength in depth, but it's the way Pep Guardiola rotates players to mm. really get the best out of them. I think if you look back, do you remember that point last season where Ilkay Gundogan was like the best player in the league? Yes, and just started scoring constantly. I think Bernardo Silva's had a similar moment yep. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Riyad yes. Mahrez is quietly banging the goals mm. in. Um, he, he's he's into double figures already. Mm-hmm. Um, well, already, I know it's December, but still. But you, oh, you've got these players. That are that are, are doing the business. De Bruyne is coming back to full fitness. He, he looked absolutely imperious yesterday. And as you say, there's there's probably more to come from Phil Foden. Certainly more to come from Jack Grealish. So it does look like they are they are the standard at the moment, aren't they? I mean, nine nine straight wins tells its own story. He, yeah, you're right. He does that Guardiola. They, they, one of his players, as you say, has a little run of games where they look absolutely incredible. Mm. But he won't be afraid to rotate that player. Uh, you know, w- w- it's how he it's how he gets them to do it, isn't it? Yeah, Keeps them completely, all fresh. Completely, completely. Um, but you know, they're, they're, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool will be breathing down their necks, as we always like to say. And Chelsea, you know, with their win at Aston Villa, that came at the right time. Although, um, if I may quote you, Jim Campbell, we're not going to talk too much about them because a Chelsea victory with two Jorginho penalties is like getting socks for Christmas, as Jim said before, yeah. <laughs> uh, coming on air. I didn't want that to go unnoticed by the listeners, <laughs> or at least unheard by the listeners, Jim. Yeah. Um, but with regards to Leicester, they are struggling and they are down players. Um, and I want to ask you, 
of this. Should old brother Brandy take a leaf out of Dundee's book with regards to this? Because they registered 40-year-old assistant manager Dave Mackay as a player in their game against Aberdeen yesterday, and he was on the bench. So so the question you're asking me is, should <laughs> should Brendan Rodgers hmm. come out of retirement? Did he even retire? Who knows? <laughs> should he make himself available for Leicester City to play alongside, what, Daniel Amati in defence? <laughs> is that what you want? Just put him on the bench. He's already on the bench. Hey, I'm doing this for the squad. You mean put him on the second row of the bench? If you want, if you want. Did you see that though? That that was quite. I know, obviously, it's it's regrettable circumstances that he's having, but we'd love a bit of that, don't we? When yeah. Like a fifth choice goalkeeper who who hasn't played for the club in ten years gets a run out or something like that. I like the way he wore. I like the way he wore ninety nine as if like you know. I, I don't want to make a mockery of this. I don't want to yeah. take someone's number. Who. You know, <laughs> I don't want. To, I don't want this number to be given to another player or to have come from another player. I'll take ninety nine. Yeah. I think he's respected the whole thing. I mean, they only—he he was only one of four players on the bench, two of which were goalkeepers. That's how yeah. badly they were hit by everything. I mean, the chances of him having to play are very, very slim. But it's surely it's in the back of your mind the whole game. Yeah, like the whole, whole game. <laughs> Just thinking, please don't like two players get injured. Don't no one get sent off. Just be sensible here. Well, if, if if it was me, I'd be looking at the two goalkeepers and going, "So, how hand are you out on pitch?" Are you comfortable with the ball? Are you are you all right? Because I'm not going on in, in the yeah. centre of midfield in this battle. You would want to do if they got a penalty, I'd bring myself on. I know you would. <laughs> you like, why wouldn't you? Oh, I, I forgot. Meant... It's, they, obviously, they they play like serious football. Obviously, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's probably funny, it. By the way, I'd like to also bring your attention to this in Scotland as well. Tommy Wright, who was sacked by Kilmarnock an hour after their uh, Scottish Championship match against Dunfermline. So he was sacked within an hour. Now, we have seen this before, but the game was abandoned midway through the second half due to fog when it was 1-1. <laughs> what? The guy doesn't control the weather. <laughs> <laughs> up yours, Tommy. You can't even sort out the flipping climate for this. We should have been 2-0 up. You're off. So um, uh, marvellous stuff in Scotland, as as always. Uh, back to the Premier League, though, gentlemen. Um, I'd like to, if we can move on from, from Manchester City and Leicester, we go to uh, the London Stadium, where West Ham lost at home to Southampton. 3-2, great win for Southampton. But we've not come to expect this from West Ham, have we, Jim? A home no. game against Southampton? Should have a routine win this season. Yeah, well, you would, you would hope so. Mikel Antonio said after the game that he, he thought it was probably down to mental fatigue more than physical fatigue. Mm. And, and part of that being that they're not used to the European campaign. And it's one of these things, isn't it, that you can say ahead of a season where like, oh, it'd be difficult because they've got Europe, you've got to be mentally prepared for it. But mentally preparing for it and actually doing it are two very, very different things. And it's a shame because they played pretty well from, from what I saw. Um, and I think what's really important, as we've touched on before, is that they they do seem to really kind of be building a bond with the fans in that new stadium. And mm. they, you know, the the, the the fans still seem behind them, which is which is great, obviously. But like, I think West Ham are sort of everyone's second team this season, aren't they? And I, I feel a bit anxious for them for them sliding a little bit. And I think weirdly, something that's going to be unique about this season is those games in hand. Um, that, that Spurs have and that Man United have and, and a few other teams lower down have because obviously it, it gives such an opportunity to reel in the teams ahead of them. And if dropping points now, when the teams that you are realistically going to be competing f- for um, that spot with, um, dropping points now while, the, while they have a, have a little break and have those games to make up is, is the worst thing you can do, essentially. Um, so I, I fear for West Ham a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I think to suggest they've had a you know a, a nothing other than a decent season thus far is, is a bit silly. I mean, they've of course the, their last six games, uh, which is not what you were doing, Jim. Of course, but uh, the, the last six games, you know, they've they've lost three, they've drawn twice, but they have had um, you know European football, which they've taken to like. Um, what would it be like? Hammers to water, um, uh, but they're in six. <laughs> I don't think moment. hammers are that effective in, they, on water. Though. They've taken it a bit to, more. They've taken it to like ones. hammers. Hammers to nails um, <laughs> is what they've done. But they, but in sixth place. But you're right. The, the teams around them have got games in hand. But it's still impressive, though. You know, they've still they've still had a, a, a good run of it. Um, they will be disappointed. Antonio back in the side. Uh, first goal in ten matches for him. Just coming just coming back from COVID is is a plus. But what about Southampton Fish? Um, I mean, they hadn't won in uh, what, what was it now? Um, uh, uh, their first win in seven uh, league matches, uh, and yeah, fifth like of November, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're in fourteenth. I mean, they're nine points now above Burnley in eighteenth. Although Burnley have three games in hand, and as Jim said, those games in hand, it's it, it can be a bit of a difficult one to uh, sort of get your head around sometimes when you look at the table and you think, oh, but actually, but how how much do you trust Burnley with those games in hand? If you see yeah. what I mean, you'd yeah. rather have the points on the board, of course. Um, but Southampton, but it's a great win for them, and you can kind of forget about them. Just oh, they're down there and they they should be okay, but they will be looking over their shoulder this season. Yeah, I suppose it was a great win for them in terms of you know as you as you mentioned, yeah, that the poor run they've been on and, and getting three points there. I did look at that and think, could they be can they be trusted with with that kind of upset? Because it was an upset. And I, I think that would frustrate West Ham all the more. <laughs> when you say can they be trusted with it, what? do you mean they're just gonna piss it away in the next game? Yeah, yeah, like exactly that. You know, I think they've got Spurs next, haven't they? They do have um, Spurs next. So like, you know, you, Spurs are in a in a good place right now. Um it's almost like even even the way that it was, you know, Ward Prowse pen, great, you know, great um, set piece for for the winner. And I thought, yeah, I mean, I could have written that if someone told me that oh, Southampton scored a couple of goals today. I would, those would have been quite high up on my guesses, both of yeah. those. And he's, it was, he's a crucial player, isn't he, for the Ward Prowse? Yeah, yeah, absolutely massive. Yeah, they missed him at parts this season, but yeah, I, I just I, I don't really know. I find them quite a confusing team, not least because it seemed like you know when. <laughs> the way they fell away last season and the way they started this season, I was a bit like, right, okay, this is Hassan Hüttel's on his way out. You know, we were talking about him as being a potential top four manager, someone that maybe even yeah. like a team like Spurs could take a gamble on and then started really badly. And then there was that middle period where I think they won three games out of four, where it felt like, okay, yeah. they're kind of coming back. They're mm-hmm. not necessarily tired of his methods. There's yeah. there's clearly a bit more appetite to play for him there. Um and yeah, they've just been. I don't, I, you know, I don't even think they're particularly good to watch. I feel like they're, they are a bit stagnant. You know, I, I, that being said, I, I covered them at Chelsea earlier this season. I think they they drew that fixture at Stamford Bridge last season. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, there's, there's something, there is something to work with here, and they, that's when they went on that run. And it, that kind of seems to have fallen away, and I didn't necessarily see those traits particularly clearly in the game against West Ham. I thought I thought Antonio's assessment was pretty spot on that it felt like again West Ham West Ham lost and, mm. and gave up. And certainly with the way West Ham started that second half, I thought, oh shit, they might be coming back here. And obviously that coincided with Antonio coming on. But... Sure. But a win for them gives them such confidence, I think. Because if you look at the bottom of the table or you look from Southampton down, so from fourteenth down and Everton are in this in, in the mix here as well. Mm. He, he, all of those sides, their last just to take their last six games, 
only there's only one win uh, is the most amount of wins for 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 each team. You know, Southampton, Everton, Leeds, Watford, Burnley, Newcastle have won once in their last six. Norwich haven't won one once in their last six. Yeah, Norwich, right? yeah. So so a win like that is actually it, it goes that little bit further than, than yeah. what one may think. It, it does, uh, yeah. Especially given how bad those teams are below them. Yes, yeah. I feel like we I feel be... like we need to say that a lot this season, and like maybe you know. Jim might mention it when we talk about Arsenal later on, but there are many bad teams in this Premier League season. <laughs> and I think, yeah. it, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much of a success Southampton fans might take it as if, you know, they just finish on the on the top of those bad teams. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, th- I think we we talk about players being streaky players. I feel like Southampton in particular, under Hasenhutl, they're like a, what you might call a slumpy team. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. They they yeah. go into regular regular slumps. I mean, I saw them at the Emirates recently, and they were they were really didn't offer a lot. But apart from a, a you know really a period at the beginning of the game, they looked very much like they were there to make up the numbers. And I think mm. what Southampton have, have done well when they've been in the Premier League, uh, you know, in this in recent years, is they've been a team with a sense of forward momentum. You know, they've they've you know they've brought in sort of um, they've bought very well with with players that have you know, kind of come out of nowhere a little bit. Like I know we're going back a, a while now, but players like Sadio Mane, and I think that those days seem far behind Southampton. And Hasen Hootel coming in, obviously, seemed to kind of hark back to those days, but they're, they're in the danger of treading water a little bit. And I think they'll be fine this season, but as you say, they'll be looking over their shoulders. So they've got to change something up soon, otherwise they will sleepwalk to some real danger, I think. Mm, or possibly lose 9-0 again. Yeah, I said it, everybody. Right, it's time <laughs> for a break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome 
five years never complained about the referees and the action, but this action is really incredible. Incredible. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, everyone. It's time for emails. If you've got something for us, showfootballramble.com. I have an email from Phil McTimony, which sounds like a Pro Evo version of Scott McTominay. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this idea rattling around in my head for a while, and with the penalties back in the news, I thought I would share it. Back in the news? I've been that. away for so long. <laughs> penalties are back in fashion. <laughs> we've, already had, we've had the war on Christmas, now it's penalties. <laughs> we've all got the calendar. But we're not talking about Paul Tierney, are we? No, no so exactly. It's exactly what he wants. <laughs> So, Phil McTimony, step one, create a second penalty spot a little further away from goal, maybe 15 to 18 yards away. The distance would be whatever it takes to give a penalty taker about a 50-50 chance of scoring. Most fouls in the box would result in a long penalty. (laughs) Sounds like pizza long egg. (laughs) This would still be a significant deterrent for defenders to avoid fouling, but without effectively awarding a goal for a silly trip or an inadvertent handball, any denial of a goal-scoring opportunity foul, however, would be a regular penalty from 12 yards, regardless of where it was on the pitch. Ooh. We can do away with red cards for these fouls, as we are giving the chance, giving back the chance to score a goal. Also, get rid of rebounds for penalties, because if you don't score, you shouldn't get a second chance. Hopefully this makes sense, and you can pull, you can pull strings at FIFA to get it implemented. I don't now, mind that. I actually think this isn't bad. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, nor do I. And, I. and I quite like the the rebound, getting rid of rebounds for penalties. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree, yeah. Now that yeah. Kane scored that one in the semi-final, yeah, I agree. We can get rid of him now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I quite like because a rebound can still involve a lot of skill, you know. But I do and find it, I do you, think it's Jeopardy's quite weird, though. I do think it's quite weird that if a penalty taker hits the post, he can't then that is strange. hit the rebound. I do agree that's strange. Yeah, I think, yeah, actually, I agree, like, Get rid of that. I think a, a general rule is don't take away things that lead to goals. Goals are the best bit. Goals are really hard yeah. as it is. Don't make them harder. True. That 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 yeah. That is one of the weird, quirky rules of football. That if you take a penalty and you hit the post or the bar and it comes back to you and you put it in, it's not a goal. But I do. I, I like the fact. I would like. I would like it if if actually, Jim. I I do agree with you. However, if the ball bounces back from the goalkeeper making a save. I don't think you should be able to lash it in. You'd therefore have to pick a pass and it would be the most sort of pressurised pass. So if you can okay. get an assist for that, I think that would be quite quite something. But I do agree with this because if you, with regards to what you're saying about red cards and anywhere on the pitch being given as a penalty if you're denying a goal scoring opportunity, it is true that if you're bearing down on goal and someone swipes your legs from you when you're just about to get into the box, you don't get a penalty. Whereas if you're kind of, if an attacking player is heading away from the goal towards the corner flag and he just gets a little clip on the on the on the line, then that is a penalty. I just you do think, oh come on, really? You're gonna give that. So I think this I think there's something in this. Yeah, I, I think the um I quite like the idea of having a shot from, from eighteen yards. I think that'd be quite fun. Yeah. But I would not like to see it. You know, as as Jim said, you know, goals are the best bit. Second best bit, though, are red cards. So <laughs> I'm not totally happy with doing away with them for something like this. How can you say the second best bit is red cards? They can ruin a game. Yeah, but if you support the team who's playing against the team who got a red card, it's quite funny. Yeah, okay, fair Apart enough. from the five minutes where your team doesn't quite know what to do, mm. and then they somehow 
play like they're the ones with 10 men. Yeah, that's, that's, my that's team. also true. Yeah. Very true. Like a true Arsenal fan. Well, I was yeah. about to say, I say red cards could ruin a game, but then so can goals, as uh, Norwich City fans found out. Again, yes. uh, sadly for them. Um, Wasn't that sad? Yeah, Arsenal 5, <laughs> Norwich City nil, or the other way around, because Norwich were at home. Um, Jim, you must be purring at this Arsenal side. They keep winning. And uh, and they don't look like they're missing Pierre Emerick Aubameyang at all. No, I mean, I, I, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm not really that surprised that his absence hasn't um, been much of a problem because he's been very static this season. And obviously, Lacazette is is, is a, a warrior, and he always kind of like kind of drops back into midfield to fight for the ball and get it wide. And Aubameyang doesn't really do that. And you know, he he the goals are dried up a lot really for him. Um, and that, when you take that out of his game, he, he isn't bringing as much as we need at the moment. So I think he'll probably come back into the side at some point, just because, for a sort of personnel reasons, essentially, because I think you know the rest of the season is, is you're going to need players because we've got a constant threat of COVID um, absences looming. But yeah, I'm, I'm very very impressed by how it's with each passing week it's becoming a, a bit of a non-issue and I think he will eventually reintegrate him as I say and hopefully it won't be a big big drama as it happens but I, I am purring I'm just in, enjoying this team so much so Jim for crying out loud Granite Xhaka controlled a pass with his back Arsenal won 5-0 I mean what more do you want I don't know what you. I don't know why you think I'm. I'm demanding more, Marcus. That wasn't even the best thing Granite Xhaka did in this game. Did you see when Bukayo Saka scored his second goal? The absolute sweet, sweet goal when Norwich left the gate open for him, yeah. scored from the edge of the box. Granite Xhaka tried to kick him in the celebrations. Like what was that I don't about? know why he's like he is. We know he's never going to change. There's no point wanting him to change. He won't change. But at least if you're going to have your little Xhaka moment, do it then. Oh. But yeah, the, the controlling it with his back was absolutely wonderful, absolutely brilliant, and you know, like it's 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 just an f- absolute joy. I mean, you've all heard me having various <laughs> breakdowns over That's the years. That's what I wanted to I hear. I can't believe it. I can't that believe break, it. That break of the voice, ladies and gentlemen, is what yeah. I wanted to hear for Jim Campbell for He's many. He's never many... felt this good ever. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. I never, I never felt this good ever. But it's the confidence I'm enjoying because obviously, early on yeah. in the season, part of the issue Arsenal had was they would score and they would clam up a little bit. They'd try and defend yeah. the league, be a little bit tentative. But I mean, that wasn't even that long ago. We were saying this. They're playing with such confidence now. You can see players like Odegaard, Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli. They all know there are goals in games for them. And they know they can get a lot of goals when they smell blood. And they they are starting to learn when there are more goals in a game. And and it's just beautiful to watch. And obviously, we're taking some hammerings from from the bigger team. So this sort of result is important for the goal difference as well. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's a point you mentioned those players, because it does seem at the moment anybody who um, is involved in, in... in fantasy football will realise this as well it is your attacking midfielders and wide players at the moment that seems to be the ones who are getting all the goals yeah and 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 Saka and Odegaard as you say Martinelli the man on the telly and the man who Luke Moore once called Emile Smith you know um is scoring <laughs> as well uh, Vish they've got these players and they've got them and they're playing with Verve Vish yeah I, th- I think one of the things we've we've always said um about this particular iteration of Arsenal is that you know, we talked about the lack of leaders of a certain age and how the younger players coming through, like Saka and Smith Rowe, are the ones who seem to be carrying the team forward. And over a period of time, it seems like some of the older players have turned around and thought, you know what, we've not been particularly great. They're setting the standard. Let's join them. Yeah. You see it a lot with Lacazette, mm-hmm. I think, who 
perhaps on natural ability is not at the same level as Aubameyang, but is certainly squeezing the life out of everything he's got at the moment, yeah. especially the way he's dropping back and, you know, almost playing that kind of cod number 10 role. And He's working he's... really hard for the rest of them. And that's what's so impressive about him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then someone like Odegaard as well, who I think when he joined, I mean, this is purely anecdotal, but it did seem like the rise of Emil Suthrow meant that when they signed Odegaard, perhaps the, the um, you know, there might be a bit of crossover in what they wanted to do and not in a good way, more in a sense that they might be occupying similar parts of the pitch to each other. And obviously Odegaard is, sorry, um, Smith Rowe has spent a bit more time on the bench, but the way Odegaard has taken on his role as being, I suppose, a bit more of a facilitator than, you know, like an Ozil type of playing those, you know, elaborate through balls has been wonderful, really. He's like a connector. And what we got against Norwich was a couple of wonderful through balls as well. Yeah. It feels like, you know, through that, the team seems so much more well-rounded as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's incredibly impressive. Even down to the fact that, you know, Smith Rowe, perhaps not entirely happy to have a role from the bench, but yeah. can see the bigger picture, evidently, can come on and, mm-hmm. and take advantage of a game being spread or do what it needs to do to get Arsenal back into a game or hold on to a lead. It feels like they're in a good place. And as, as Jim said, you know, they still have a bit of an issue when it comes to the big teams, but it seems to be like they're sorting out the rest of them. But that's it yeah. though, Vish, but that's where they are though. Yeah. If, yeah, they, if, they, if, if they get beaten off Chelsea, Man City, or well, fair enough. Yeah. You know, but take care of these kind of games, you know, because people say, oh, well, it was only Norwich City. But look at the way they took them apart. You know, that's for the confidence in the goal. And I love Emile Smith-Rowe because as you say, he comes on and he is like, you know, if you, if you see a, a, a load of Labradors having a lovely time and then one's, you know, in his kennel and can't get out and play. When when you do release him and he joins the other Labradors, he doesn't go, well, this, you know, I've missed out on this. He goes, hey, at last, come on. You know, and that's what Emile Smith-Rowe kind of... That's so, what, sorry, Marcus, why are you playing sort of mind games with Labradors? I'm playing Squid Game with Labradors. Oh, that's far worse. That's worse. Uh, <laughs> you haven't seen Squid Games, have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, wait, don't Why talk to me. T- don't talk to me about Squid Game, mate. All right. <laughs> um, wow, what what a what a confession. Uh, I play Squid Game with Labrador. Marcus <laughs> Speller. He surprised me constantly. Uh, um, I jest, of course. But of um, course. Jim, are you worried about Ainsley Maitland Niles? Because he looks like he might join Jose Mourinho in, in Rome. Uh yes. Talking very much squid so. games. <laughs> be- be- <laughs> 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 yeah, um I am concerned about that because the AFCON is going to leave us very light, particularly in that um in that area. No, no, I'm, are you more worried for Ainsley, Jim? Joining Jose no, Mourinho. No, Ainsley can look after himself. He'll, he'll, right, I'm sure okay. he'll take his mum, who was once banned from our training ground for shouting too much. <laughs> Sorry, um, what? Which, yeah, his. Uh, I think that this was when Ainsley Maitland-Niles was in the youth team. Um, his mum would come and watch training, and she she would shout so much. They said, "Like, can you can you stop coming?" Yeah, please? Arsenal fans <laughs> don't do this. Okay, really, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stop, stop this trying to get Charles going. <laughs> <laughs> Go and support another London team if you're going to behave like that. Yeah, maybe not. Um, so I'm I'm not really concerned for for Ainsley himself. I think okay. it'd be good for him to go and get a move somewhere at some point. Um, but for, from Arsenal's point of view, I'm I'm a little bit confused by how how progressed this this deal seems to be because it looks like it could. Mm. It looks like the you know the details have actually been sorted. It could even happen on January the first. And obviously with Elneny and Party off to the African Cup of Nations, you've all, and also sort of the looming spectre of COVID absences that leaves Arsenal very light. And unless someone else is coming in, perhaps Jack Wilshire. Um, as cover, <laughs> then we don't know what's happening. Like Charlie Big Patino is very, very young. There's talk of him getting minutes, but he's he's 18 going on 12. That would be very, 
Charlie who? Perhaps be Charlie Patino. He, uh, he scored in the League Cup the other I, night. Very, very, um, very I promising. Big Patino was his actual name for a minute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I, I am confused. I mean, it, Arteta's been talking about hoping that there will be signings in the January transfer window. And I think with Arsenal being in fourth, even with that caveat of the, the teams behind having games in hand, the Kronkers might sense an opportunity to get back into the Champions League and make more money. So mm. that might work in our favour. It's, a, yeah. it's an opportunity to try and go and get someone. Renato Sanchez has been linked. don't know how realistic that is, but um, there's talk. And that's the, exactly the sort of position that we need uh, We need uh, <clears throat> bodies in right now. Very much so, Jim. Very much so. Uh, because, you know, it wasn't just Arsenal playing in that game. Norwich City were in there as well. I think you can argue it was. And Well, actually, yeah, it's a fair point. Um, and And... We, we do fear for Norwich. I mean, they've won two games all season. They've only scored eight goals, which is by far and away the lowest tally, of course, of any other side in the league. They've conceded 39. Dean Smith came in. It was a little improvement, perhaps, but, I mean, it's it's all gone uh, sour. And um, I don't know if anybody knows uh, Jack Reeve, who does the uh, founded Talk Norwich City, their, their fan channel. But, you know, he's, he's a lovely lad and he's often very positive on Twitter. But I just saw him tweet, every single one of those 11 players should hang their heads in shame today. Disgusting display. That's, you know, and he is really is a, a voice yeah. of uh, a lot of Norwich fans. And you just think, blimey, th- this is bleak. For Norwich, and it's and it's it's a great shame because they are a bit of a yo-yo side, and I say that with the team that I support, Fulham, who are a bit of a yo-yo side as well. And you think, right, okay, it's not worked out with Daniel Farker. He's had another crack at the Prem that that, that didn't happen. Dean Smith, who he knows how to get out of a relegation scrap in the Premier League, is he going to have an impact? Doesn't look like it's going to be the case. And you feel for Norwich because they might just whimper again to another. Uh, relegation and, and and back down in the championship. There is time. There is games to play, but really, for them to turn it around seems extremely unlikely. Yeah, they just need a bit of extra quality, which is you know it's easy for us to say and harder for them to go out and and actually you know yeah accrue because you know even you know one of the one of the players who was talked up at the end of the Daniel Farker um, at the end of his tenure was someone like Billy Gilmore, but he's come in and he's looked pretty yeah. lost alongside yeah, McLean. That's right. That's right yeah. um, and it, you know, they're, they're, it's not to say Gilmore's a bad player, of course, because you know people do operate in very different systems. And you know, bear in mind he's a Chelsea academy graduate who's grown up playing in a very you know very specific way or th- well, throughout his career, and then has found himself in the midst of this relegation battle. But I just can't. Yeah, I can't see where they get the improvement from. You know, they they just don't score goals. Easily. If Norwich we played the home games at Wembley, Gilmore would probably play all right, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. He tends but to then, do pretty well at Wembley. They'd have to isolate for a bit, <laughs> they, for going on current form. Maybe. For going on, the, you, you know, he's only as good as his last game at Wembley. That's very um, true. Yeah, I, I think true. I think a big issue for them has been the loss of Emi Buendia. Uh, he he was. So creative for them last season. He scored a lot of goals for them, and, and uh, yeah, everything I think good that, went Jim, through him. And you're right, Jim. You make a fair point, but I, I still think if he was there, it wouldn't make that much difference. Oh yeah, I think they'd, they'd still be struggling. It's 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 weird, isn't it? It's it's hard to kind of rationally assess why it's gone this way for Norwich. It's almost, I suppose, it's a, it's appropriate enough given that they are one of his old clubs. But it's like an entire club in the Huckabee zone. Mm. Yes, um, you're where they're just right. simply too good for the Championship, but not anywhere near good enough for the Premier League. And you, I don't know. I don't know what you do to fix that if you're in Norwich's shoes because well, it tends not clearly to be sustainable. there's something structural that isn't absolutely, as you say, that isn't sustainable. 
Well, you either end up with one or the other. And you obviously want to end up in the Premier League. (laughs) The last thing they want next season is to get promoted again, if they do go down. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? mean. (laughs) They're also so lucky that Watford, Burnley, Newcastle have been as bad as they are. Because I don't think... I think you could watch their games and not look at the table. And if someone told you that... You know what? They're only they're actually only three points off safety after eighteen games. You would slap them in the face and be like, "Stop yeah, lying yeah. to me." Yeah, but yeah, but I would I would actually say that those teams that you just mentioned are lucky that Norwich are so bad. I mean, I know you can spin it either way, but I think that's probably where it is yeah, because Newcastle no, sure, United sure. are more likely to pick up a win. Uh, dare I suggest, or even Burnley and so on. Whereas I think it's it's looking pretty bleak um, for Norwich. Uh, but if we may move on, gentlemen. Um, we talk about big performances at Wembley. Well, Harry Kane, he scored for Spurs against Palace again. It's 3-0 Spurs, of course. And uh, and, and and they're on the march, damn it all. The Spurs, they're in fifth. They're pushing Arsenal quite close in fourth. They're, they're six points off them with three games in hand, two of which are against Southampton and, and, and Watford. Kane and Son are back among the goals. Antonio Conte is looking at his, his, his animated best on the touchline. What do you reckon, Vish? Hey, I suppose we, we're quick to write them off and... And and obviously under Nuno they weren't great and so on, but there's still quite a lot in the season left for them, is there not? It could end up maybe among the Champions League places. Yeah, specifically def- fourth. Specifically fourth, by the way, when I say the Champions League places. <laughs> yeah. No, no, like without doubt, I think there's um, you know, there there was a feeling that when they made the decision to sack um, Nuno and bring in Conte that they basically done it. At, at the perfect time because of the way that fourth was still up to, up for grabs, you know, very much at the time, Manchester United hadn't really made moves. And I think West Ham were in fourth and, you know, there, there were certain thoughts that maybe perhaps because of West Ham's squad that they wouldn't be able to, you know, maintain that. And so there was, there was definitely an opportunity there. And yeah, it's, you know, they've, they've come good. Was it four wins in their last five? And mm. also it's been interesting seeing the numbers as well about how, you know, obviously, it's a smaller sample size for Conte, but on average they were the bottom for runners under Nuno, mm-hmm. and then then now they're the top under yeah. under Conte. Yeah, the, oh, those stats were have yeah. just been totally flipped. It's been yeah, incredible. Which does make me wonder what the fuck's in tomato ketchup? Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because I eat a lot of that stuff, and I'm probably bottom of a lot of the tables that I don't look at. Just think how wonder. many more articles you could write if you didn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's true actually. Imagine my words per words per minute. Did one with each hand. <laughs> but the um the other thing, which um I, I suppose it, it might be Conte, it probably is just time, is Harry Kane looks a different player now, doesn't it? Totally. He totally. looks so laboured at the start but, of the season, like but, pathetically so. Yeah, Perhaps but even can... weighed down by the Manchester City stuff, but he, he looks fresh, so much fresher now. I think it's, it's the Man City stuff and the, the Euros as well. Yeah, I think yeah. that, that would have taken a lot out of those players, especially the sort of, you know, the, especially Kane, really. He didn't want to be there, Jim, at the start, and now he's accepted no. the fact that because of his brother, he is there. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, the sort of the Euros hangover as well. It's, I think it's a very, very difficult thing to go straight back into a season True. like that. So there's a lot, of, a lot of difficult things for Kane in particular. But I, I think it's worth noting as well that, you know, they have won, um, is it five out of, sorry, four out of five? Yeah, that, that, that draw was, was with Liverpool. And they're mm. very good in that game as well. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is, that's very, very impressive. And I feel like 
Spurs really look themselves again under Conte and impressively quickly. The culture of a club really, really matters. And, and mm-hmm. Spurs are all about attacking, flowing, exciting football. And they didn't really have that under Jose Mourinho in the same way. Under Nuno, it, it felt like a little bit more of the same. Something didn't quite feel right. And it's, this isn't just harking back to Pochettino. I mean, it, Martin Yole did that for them. You know, um, Harry Redknapp did that for them. Like it's a, it's a big part of what Spurs fans want and what the identity of that team is, is to play in a, essentially a fun way and he's brought that back really quickly and I think that's that sort of sense returning has energized them mm. all very very quickly and that's perhaps why the momentum is building so fast could I ask um what were your thought happened at the Kane Christmas do oh yeah I, I just I would have loved to have been been there when uh you know Kane's mum asked Charlie so yeah, work's been good. It's, it could could be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine when Harry opened every present from Charlie. It's like, what is it? Was it Charlie? Is it release clause? <laughs> is it release clause? Is it? Did Kane then two foot the turkey off the table, but nobody blamed him and said no? It was a perfectly fine thing to do. Yeah, it, it was coming out of the oven, and he jumped early. <laughs> And it splattered on the floor, yeah. I did love it on Match of the Day when, when uh, would it have been Mark Chapman who said to Alan Shearer, as England captain, do you often get favourable decisions? Yes, let's move on. <laughs> Neil Lennon's at home going, I told you, I told you to send it off. Do you think Kane would have had a little captain's armband around one of the wings on the turkey? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh, dear. But I think, uh, going back to what you are saying about... about um, Kane and the hangover and the uh, the Euros. You are right because it's so emotionally uh, draining, and of course, England losing the final, which makes the World Cup in Qatar all the more important to win for for England. Because um, don't say that because say it's, that, it's, because Jim, the World Cup finishes on like the eighteenth of December, and they're right back at the races for Boxing Day. Have you yes, seen the schedule? Ri- ri- ridiculous. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, we will the- not miss Boxing Day football in this country. I we, don't we- care if the World Cup final is two days before it, yeah. and we're involved. Which we yeah, may it's not, not happening. Yeah. We might even still be playing games from this season at that <laughs> yeah. point as well. <laughs> but you wouldn't want Harry Kane to miss out because he scored nine goals in six Boxing Day games, which is he's level with Robbie Fowler at the um, at the top of the tree, so to speak. Do you know what? What's also helped him, I think, has been Lucas Moura's return return to form. Oh, he's loving life. Yeah, he is, and um, I think he's someone who certainly has been treated as as a squad player first and a first team player second. But it seems mm. like Conte, because of his energy, and, and I suppose because of what we've seen from Conte at Inter Milan, the fact that he can come into a setup, you know, with no prejudices about any particular player, just sees what he sees on the training field and mm. what they give and thinks, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll do for me. Um, I thought it was interesting, actually, for the for the for Mora's goal, which I suppose is, a, is another nod to how Kane seems to be in a different headspace, and perhaps why he's in a different headspace. For Mora's goal, there were I think three or four players in the in the penalty area for Tottenham, but not Harry Kane, who was on the outside. He'd helped set up the move mm-hmm. like a, a few phases earlier, and it felt like you know the issue with Kane dropping back was always that if you didn't have Sun running beyond him, then it felt like he was wasted. It felt like you know Harry, get yourself up there. Get you know mm-hmm. you need we need your goals, and with someone like Mora contributing the way that he did. And the fact that they seem to be more willing runners from deep, um, and, and like in, in in a constructive way, way rather than just leaving you know leaving spaces to be exploited, um, it felt like there's a bit more structure to that. I think Mourinho really lucked upon it to an extent mm-hmm. because Kane Kane was in a great creative space this time last season, 
Um, whereas content, there seems a bit more structure. And because of that, I think maybe that's why we're also seeing this. Or well, it's another reason why Kane's enjoying this upturn. Mm. Um, gentlemen, it was a good win for Spurs. But of course, Wilfred Zaha got two yellow cards, didn't he? Um, and, and that was a, a big uh, moment in the game, even though they were down uh, at that time. I, did you think... I felt a touch sorry for him. I know it was a silly one, the second yellow, where he sort of pushed him. But you see, I, I don't know, Jim, what do you reckon? Some people will think that's an obvious second I'd, yellow and red card. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a degree of sympathy because obviously that must have been a very frustrating situation for him. But I, you, as it as was said on Match of the Day, really, just essentially, I think they summed it up really well. So it's worth just essentially parroting. It's... <laughs> It's 29. Yeah. You can't be doing that. You can't. It's, it's a high-pressure game. Obviously, you're emotional. You, you're stressed out. But, like, it's just so, so silly. You're inviting the referee to make a decision. Well, that's the old cliche, isn't it? I, yeah. I just think, for me, like, the way he sort of pushes... You see players do that sometimes. And if they do it to a player, you know, in the middle of their chest and the player doesn't fall down theatrically and, and all that sort of stuff, then... It probably isn't a booking, but as you say, you do that, the player falls over. You're not going to have a go at the, was it, um, uh, I forget the Spurs player it was. Um, Davidson Sanchez. Yeah, okay, yeah. Mm. Um, And and even the first one as well, I mean, he was convinced he didn't touch the Spurs player, and obviously he's quite keen and those kind of bookings can happen. But yeah, silly one really, because Palace, even though they were down, you know, the way they've been playing, you think, well, they're down and maybe not, not out of it, um, even though they're missing um, players. And obviously, Patrick Vieira didn't travel either. Uh, but one positive, though, for Palace, you would say, and also, dare I say, England as well, is uh, Tarek Mitchell um, at fullback. He was very good. You know, looks quite a good player for, for Palace. And, and they've got some of those, uh, some, some younger players coming through. So quite an exciting side. So not the result they would have wanted, of course. Um, but Palace, you know, they are sitting in 12th position. And, uh, and, and they're looking up the table, you would say, Vish, wouldn't you, rather than down? Yeah, I suppose they, you know, they were in a bit of a bad place after they seemingly kind of coming together. You know, certainly the positive noises about Vieira without the results, and then they seem to get the results, and they were still having these issues from set pieces and things like that. But yeah, they were. I, I thought there was, you know, the Zaha thing was quite frustrating. I think the one player they've really missed, also on the Zaha thing, actually, is someone like, is someone like James MacArthur, because mm. obviously, mm. If, you know, what he offers offered them in midfield. He was a bit of an unsung hero at the start when they had that decent run. But also, you know, I was talking to a, a Palace supporting mate of mine on on Friday and he mentioned actually that one of the things they seem to be missing from MacArthur is that he seems to be the only person in that team who has a go at Zaha. Because, mm. you know, right. we, we see this a bit from Zaha. You know, he's someone who, who, who can, you know, look frustrated very easily in part because, you know, he's someone who is targeted by opposition players because they sure. know he has that in him and, and that's what Sanchez did to him there but I thought it was interesting yeah I had this conversation with my mate on on Christmas Eve and then Boxing Day he you know he's so frustrated and does something stupid like that gives a referee a decision to make I wonder if that would have happened if MacArthur was on the pitch you know pulling reining him in genuinely because it's I, I didn't know it was a thing until my mate told me and then see two days on it um yeah comes, it plays out as it does but yeah I, I I think Palace are you know I think they're broadly where they would probably end up, you know, if you think of the mm-hmm. sandwich between Aston Villa and Brentford, you know, they, they yeah. can break into. I think they have it within them to break into. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to be in a. They're not. They're not going to be in a relegation. No, 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 absolutely year. not. I don't. Th- I don't think about that for a second. But I think if they, if they finish, 
you know, 11th or 12th, if they finish top of the bottom half, I think that would broadly count as some kind of progress, even though that's, oh, yeah. you know, even though top half football is the reason they want, they got rid of, um, you know, Hodgson originally and brought in someone like Vieira, or rather Hodgson yeah. left. But I mean, yeah, in, in the short term, at least you have to sort of recalibrate, don't you? And obviously they've changed yes, the yeah. squad up quite a lot as well. So it's not, you know, it, it wouldn't have been unthinkable at the start of the season to kind of look ahead to where we are now and think, oh, maybe they could be in a little bit of trouble because what if it doesn't work? There's mm. a lot changing at once. But I think, you know, what's what's going on there is, is being executed very well. And, they're, yeah. you know, they're going to have blips and they're going to have wobbles. Um, but Norwich next, so that'd be fun. There we are. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're basically, whenever you think about Palace and you think about now Patrick Vieira, everyone just goes back to, to De Boer in charge when it spectacularly did work. Because mm. as I said recently, their recent list of managers is an absolute who's who of the classic British manager with Allardyce, Pardew, uh, even you, you go back far enough, Warnock, um, yeah. you know, Hodgson as well, all these kind of great characters, Pulis, I think as well. So, uh, it's but it's working. Uh, uh, we're enjoying it, despite that loss against uh, Tottenham, of course. Uh, gentlemen, tonight... We've only got the one game. It's currently on, I believe. Um, it's Manchester United versus Newcastle United. Always, uh, always a, a lovely encounter. Um, and so Anthony Martial has told Manchester United that he wants to leave the club. Vish, um, would you like to wish him farewell? Um, I would actually. I think he. Um, I, I still think there's someone who can who can. You know, I still think there there is absolutely a player there, which I suppose is all the more reason for him to leave. I think he said so himself that, you know, he had this he had this chat with Ralph Rangnick where he basically said, "Look, I've been here, I've been here for so long, and it clearly hasn't worked out, and I, you know, I need to go elsewhere." If you think of what's happened in that time, mm-hmm. he basically lost his, you know, not so much lost his place because he joined when he was quite young, but. He certainly lost his standing in French football as, with regards yeah. to the national team. He came and originally was going to be like an Henri type figure who was a striker who was going to nominally play out on the left. And, you know, we tried him on both wings. We tried him through the middle. He's had some highlight reel moments. I think that's the best way to put it, but it's not quite worked out. And it's a shame because I think there's, within there, there's, uh, you know, someone who, when he's up for it, is a really impressive dribbler, an incredible finisher and someone who is actually a lot of fun to play with. I think that's some, during his high high points, I think there was a real sense from players around him that, yeah, he, he he's, you know, he, certainly on the counter, he can run with the ball. He's someone that can bring other players into, into the game, but he just needs game time really. And, and I really do wish him well because it is a shame it hadn't worked out because when we, when United signed him, he was seen as a bit of an antidote, really. They had a yep. bit of an aging side. They needed a bit of star quality. And he, he certainly took the first box, uh, a young, a uh, young up and come up and comer mm-hmm. with a view to him being yeah. that big name. And it just, um, just hasn't panned out as I suppose everyone would have hoped. I mean, it's extraordinary that he signed in 2015. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a while ago now and he's 26. Hmm. I thought to myself, hey, maybe he's what is he thirty? Like one last big movie? You think, no, flipping it. You know, you could argue that he's. So I, that's funny, Mark, because I'd have gone the other way. I would have thought he was younger than that. Oh, did you? Well, you yeah. That. Well, yeah. <laughs> one of those ones, isn't it? In football, I mean, compare that. So that's the kind of the news at Manchester United. You know, Martial saying he, he wants to leave, but he has won a few trophies at Manchester United. Um, compare that to say um, what we've heard from from Newcastle United in one of their former uh, great players, Lee Clark, who says. Um, the club needs uh, transfers. And he said, 
Brian Kilcline is the ideal example of the type of player we need right now. We need the modern-day version. Is there a modern-day version? Um, Kilcline, nicknamed Killer. Killer came in, and there wasn't a lavish press conference to welcome him, but I tell you what, he was the perfect signing for the club at that time, which was 1992. Jim? Yeah, I feel like Lee Clark probably isn't going to be anywhere near those decisions. <laughs> and and, and if, if Newcastle are looking at maybe, you know, getting some people who know the club back in, Lee Clark may well have just talked himself out of a job there. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday, have they invited Keggy back yet? Because obviously the Mike Ashley, one of the saddest things about the Mike Ashley saga, uh, <laughs> among thousands of those sad things, was mm. the way they treated Kevin Keegan and how he, you know, essentially he wasn't going to go back to the club while Mike Ashley was there. But Ashley's gone now. And it's all it's all been very quiet on the Keggy front, isn't it? True, but Keggy does a lot of work. He is often out in like Dubai and those kind of places, and so maybe not. Maybe the Saudis will be like, "Now you're in the pocket of Dubai, mate." Yeah, <laughs> oh, God, yeah Kevin Keegan like... inadvertently making an enemy of the Saudis. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, he probably would have taken the Sports Direct logo off himself in that helicopter that he left the pitch in that time. Yeah, and nothing bad would have happened from that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, who's the modern day Brian Cleel Klein? That's what I want to know. Tyson Fury. <laughs> I googled Brian Kilcline because it was many people before, will have to. Yeah, it was a bit before my time, and it it uh, his um his like little pocket summation on Wikipedia. Yep. After basically just listing his position as centre back and the clubs he played for, uh, blah blah blah, and was famous for his long hair and moustache. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this... anyone could do that job, couldn't they? I think so. He, he looks a bit like a character from Labyrinth, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, he, he looks like an extra from um, that pirate film with that weird fella. What's he called? Johnny Depp. Yeah. Pirates um, of the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to work our way backwards there, didn't we? Uh, yes. Yeah, you're right. But it was nicknamed Killer. So obviously, like to like to heavy challenge, which we know you could sometimes get away with if he became England captain. But is that like... Um... Is it a bit like, you know, the nicknames in Snooker where they don't actually, you know, they don't actually correspond to the personality? You know, like uh, Mark Selby's a jester from Leicester, but if you talk to anyone around Snooker, they say he's the most boring man in the world. Yeah, it's just it just rhymes. That's all it does. Yeah. yeah. Right, everybody. Good news. Good news on Ramble Meets. We have a fantastic episode for you. Andy sat down with former Liverpool, Fulham and Netherlands striker Ryan Barbel. Uh, they uh, they have a good old chat about his career that's taken him all over Europe, looking after young players early in their careers, and his new hip-hop album, come on! A footballer who has actually done some good stuff in the world of hip-hop, I would argue. Um, so listen and subscribe now on Football Ramble Presents. It's it's a really good listen. He's uh, he's very, very candid and gives a lovely bit of insight to Zol Barbel. And one can forget, you know, he played for, for Liverpool, he played Champions League, did some uh, uh, very good things in his career. So get involved over on Football Ramble presents there we are right uh thank you very much for listening to the football ramble part of the acast creator network on tomorrow's show it's us lot again yeah we lads it's us (laughs) (laughs) there we are it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for listening to uh the football ramble i'm sure you've all been uh, enjoying your days off and if you've been working then i hope we've uh, managed to make the day go that little bit quicker for you but you're all uh, enjoying cold turkey and cold lamb rolls thank you very much for tushin <laughs> thank you thank you very much jimmy you're very welcome thank you everybody see you tomorrow the 
Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.